0: Hello,
1: everybody. My name is Stevie Kim, and this is the Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. Ciao, Stevie. Hey, Anna. How are you? Great. Great. And Laika. Uh, ciao, a like, uh, Ciao, Stevie. All right, so we have a small um audience today, but as you know, this will be replayed on Italian Wine Podcast and we have been, we have been getting huge listens for the Ambassador's Corner. Today's Ambassador's Corner is the fireside chat with Alessandro Medici, baby Medici. All righty, So, today, let me tell you a little bit about the Ambassador's Corner. This is where our Italian wine ambassadors get to choose their favorite wine producer and they do a deep dive interview, more like a fireside chat with their favorite Italian wine producer. And today we have with us Anna and let me s- see if I can say this correctly. Anna Ob- Obuhovskaya. is that correct?
2: Yes, Stevie that's that's correct. Can you say
1: can you say your name?
2: Anna Obuhovskaya.
1: Yeah, well, it's a little bit different. Hopskaya. So right. Anna is based in um, St. Petersburg, and she has about 13 years of experience in wine marketing and sales. I understand she's worked at Luding, Nesco, Joya, Metro, Cash and & Carry. And she was actually the best cabist in 2011. She has this title. Of course, she is here with us today because she is our Vinital International Academy. She had participated in that um, last year, the flagship edition. And her current project includes um, holding seminars for the uh, St. Petersburg Sommelier Association specialized in Italian wine, an Italian wine tasting club. And she's the founder. So clearly she loves um, Italian wine, and um, she is now uh, going to interview Alessandro Medici this evening. So, Anna, why did you choose Alessandro Medici as your favorite producer?
2: Well, Stevie, when I studied at uh, Italian Wine Ambassador course in Verona in uh, two thousand twenty-one. I learned uh, a lot about Lambrusco and that it is the oldest uh, family of grape varieties in Italy. Uh, there is a DNA study that showed that uh, close connection between Lambrusco grape variety and wild wine. And uh, Lambrusco was once uh, domesticated by tribes that lived in uh, the territory of modern Italy, but the fact that this grape is still there for quality wines in Emilia-Romagna really amazed me. Uh, we can observe uh, the transformation um, of the Lambrusco style within past decades, and Medici family is a good example for that because five generations uh, produced wine. Style of Lambrusco changed uh, from rustic wines in the 50s to the trendy and really high-quality Lambruscos of today. And Concerto Lambrusco that uh, Medici meto makes uh, is released uh in, in, thir- in 1993 and it's considered the first Lambrusco from a single vineyard can you imagine that uh so and it's made uh from Lambrusco Salamino and uh it was really the turning point for the uh Medici family uh because concerto is valued by wine critics and it is for sure one of my favorite Italian wines uh, and it's really a good example of a friendly wine, very bright and fruity, but at the same time complex and well balanced. So for me, Medici Armeta is a good company that in in avant-garde of Lambrusco production today.
1: Oh my God, I feel like you're part of the Medici family already. <laughs> you're so enthusiastic. <laughs> Nobody gets that excited about you know anything. But listen, Anna. So how did how did you meet? How did you discover? The Medici Almete uh, wine and winery and the family?
2: Well, I first uh, tried uh, Concerto Lambrusca at the seminar that Via uh, 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 held in Verona.
1: Oh, so that was your first time? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, yes. Oh, that's
1: so exciting. So we introduced you to uh, Medici Almete.
2: That's right. And that's where I met uh, Alessandro because he came for the seminar to speak on Lambrusco. And before that, I only read about this family grape and uh, the differences between uh, Grasparosa and Salamino and Sorbara and so on. But the first time I actually tried these different lambruscos was Verona. So uh, and uh, we tasted Concerto and I was amazed by the quality of this lambrusco of this fresh fruity style, lively character, smooth tannins and great balance. I put a three exclamation mark in my tasting notes that day. And Alessandro was very passionate about his region and his wines and uh, his family history. So to my point, he's the best ambassador for his uh, family estate. And later that year in September, had a chance to visit Medici Armetto winery and walk in the wine yard where concerto is made. Uh, I met the generous and hospitable Medici family members. We sat on a beautiful uh, terrace and tasted various wines they made, accompanied with this beautiful prosciutto, parmigiano-reggiano cheese, homemade spinach pie. Uh, And that tasting had really big impact on me because I realized that Lambrusco is not just uh, a g- nice wine but it's greatly matched with local food uh and it was actually good with nearly any food you could think of antipasti pizza pasta lasagna other traditional italian dishes but also it goes very well with thai and indian food and i also realized that it should be great in restaurants menus back home in saint petersburg but unfortunately I saw very few lambruscos in restaurants lists, in wine lists uh, back home recently. So uh, sommeliers in general didn't consider lambrusco to be an interesting wine category. So when I came back home, I had the sharp feeling that I have to share something very important with with other sommeliers. Uh, so in our wine community, we know very little about uh, quality lambruscos and uh, its interesting historical case. So therefore, I organized a seminar for uh, St. Petersburg Sommelier Association on lambrusco wines, and I invited Alessandro to join us via Zoom. I also invited Alberto, Alberto Paltineri from Modena, and he spoke about his wines as well. We tasted all high-quality lambruscos, that imported to my country. So we compared styles of modern and Reggio Emilia. We tasted wines uh, from Venturini, Baldini also. So shall I say that sommeliers were really surprised by the quality of wide range of Lombrosco? Yes, they were. <laughs> I was really happy to share that uh, great experience with them.
1: Okay, excellent. It sounds very um, promising. For a courier in Lambrusco, um, so you, as you know, you know we always talk about learning objectives because we do try to give some educational value in in the calls that we make um, for Italian Wine Club. What are the learning objectives that we should expect from you today?
2: Well, uh, as I see it, uh, there are there is a very curious case about Lambrusco wines. On one hand, there is historical context. DNA researchers that provide us with historical perspective on autochthonous varieties and we are rethinking the significance for winemaking. But on the other hand, there are modern trends. Sparkling wines are highly demanded, you know. So today, winemakers return to grandfather's methods and upgrade them. So there is no insignificant variety, but it's all about the approach to it. Not everybody knows that Lambrusco wines, all three for, for Lambrusco wines, all three methods are used: ancestral, charmat, and metodo classico. And I hope we discuss it today. And I think it is important to learn where traditions meet the new wave of winemaking. Excellent. So
1: these are the objectives. So we're looking forward to that. Before I hand over the mic to you, um, Leica, did you want to say anything? Laika, by the way, as you know, uh, she's our clubhouse manager for Italian Wine Club. Laika, are you back in? yeah,
3: hello. hello hi everyone. yeah, I'm still having this abioca moment because we really had a huge lunch this afternoon. <laughs> it was really good um, and uh, I wanted to say something first um if you are interested, especially for the Italian wine ambassadors um to moderate for um, um the Italian wine um, ambassador's corner, um, you can send me an email or send me a message here um, at support at italianwinepodcast dot So, yep, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's there. she's like us speaking to you to Shaw,
1: Carrie one exactly. Fanny you did once, of course. Jody as well. Jody, one of the more popular um, replays on Italian Wine Podcast. Congratulations um, to you on that. So, if you'd like to host another room please get in touch with Leica and also info at italianwinepodcast.com. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. So over to you, Anna, and then you can introduce Alessandro. I'll be listening. Great.
2: So please uh, let me welcome Alessandro Medici. Uh, Ciao. It was great to see you at Vinitali.
4: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for this invitation. Wonderful opportunity.
2: Yes, I think uh, your case is really interesting and Medici uh is a really nice producer. So please uh, tell me, how uh, did your story of a, of a wine producer start?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So let me just thank Stevie and the World Winita International team, because what you said about your activity in, uh, in St. Petersburg is just... Uh, um, an example of uh, how powerful is the VIA network, you know, the Vinita International Academy Network. Uh, We got so many contacts with this uh, this academy. So this is absolutely beautiful. Anyway, to answer to your question, um, my story, like wine producer, started like many other producers that comes from, uh, uh, you know, family business. Uh, I was born in the vineyards. Uh, My family was used to, uh, bring me in the vineyards, uh, in the office, in the cellar. My father uh, brought me with him uh, with in so many business travels, you know, in Japan, in the United States. So I discovered this world uh, very young, during my studies, of course. Uh, then I did some uh, activities outside of Italy, uh, just like uh, exp- um, personal uh, experience, and then I studied at gastronomic uh, University in Polenzo, in Piedmont, in the Barol and Barbaresco area. And then I entered it officially with a contract uh, in the winery almost five years ago. Uh, so it, it's just a normal story. Uh, my passion came very, very early in me uh, for wine, especially for my land. I always loved Emilia-Romagna. I think that Lambrusco producers uh, are really, really um, connected to, to the Emilia-Romagna land. And then, you know, I, I did an interview last week and one sommelier asked me, uh, please uh, uh, give us some uh, um, wise advice. And I told I told her, I'm just 27. How can uh, I, I give some uh, wise advice? To be wise, you know, to do, you know, many mistakes. And this is just what I'm doing. I'm doing many mistakes in the company with our teams. We, we do so many different projects. We make many mistakes sometimes. They go well. Sometimes they go in a bad way, but you know, in this moment, in our company, in our winery, there is an amazing atmosphere, and I'm very happy to, to, uh, of my choice, of course.
2: Yes, indeed, uh, you have a very nice atmosphere among among your family and among people who work for you, so that's for sure. And um, can you please uh, tell us how uh, the style of Medici uh, wines? Medici wines changed within decades and why it has changed.
4: Of course, yeah, Medici is one of the most historical winery in the Emilia-Romagna region. This is uh, a sentence that I heard so many times from producers uh, from Italy, uh, but it's true, and we saw the history of Lambrusco. That is, I think, a beautiful story because it's really connected to the, to the story of the Italian wine because as you probably know, Lambrusco is uh, was one of the first Italian variety to be exported together with Chianti and Soave. It was around 1965, and Medici at the time already exported uh, in Germany and uh, in the United States. And Lambrusco had an unbelievable, an unbelievable commercial success between uh, 1970 and 1980, even more than Prosecco today. And you know the style, the original style of uh, uh, production of Lambrusco was dry, as you said previously. Uh, And the method of production is a a method that today we call ancestral method. But at the time, it was the real, the the only, the unique method of production of Lambrusco. So with this second fermentation in the bottle, and at the end of this fermentation, we sold the wine with the yeast inside, and the wine was completely, completely dry. So with zero grams of liter of sugar. Then Lambrusco represented an unbelievable commercial success uh, for our land. I said. Even more than Prosecco today, because Lambrusco producers between 1970 and 19, not 1975 and 1985, sold millions of cases, not bottles, I mean cases, millions and million and million of cases. Lambrusco was everywhere, was the most famous wine, Italian wine, of course, outside of Italy. It was everywhere. Also, advertising on television, it was very, very popular. And at the beginning, Lambrusco was considered cool. It was, you know, the the, the sparkling Italian wine uh, because Prosecco was just a very local wine. Franciacorta didn't exist. So there was just Lambrusco and it was considered cool. Then, you know, um, between 1970 and 1980, we started in Emilia-Romagna, but also in other regions in Italy. We started to produce with the Sharma method, so with the steel tank. So we started to change the way of production and unfortunately, some... Lambrusco producers invented the sweet Lambrusco, uh, the Lambrusco Amabile, it was called, with a high level of sugar. I mean, very, very high at the time level of sugar. And that product, that wine, was just a commercial invention that had an unbelievable success, but it was very different from the real Lambrusco. And then, you know, um, the palate of the consumers started to to understand that uh, that Lambrusco was very bad The quality of that Lambrusco was very bad. So they started to recognize that that Lambrusco was very bad. So the Lambrusco market from millions and millions of cases in a few years becomes zero. Even the restaurants in our area, the restaurant that was in front of our winery, our office, didn't want write a Lambrusco in the menu because it was considered a shame. And my father, the third generation, entered in the winery exactly in that period. It was the period of the sweet Lambrusco. So he understood that it was necessary to change completely the philosophy of production of this wine. And he started, he restarted, coming back to the origin, to make dry Lambrusco with a low level of sugar. And in 1993, that for us is a very important vintage, we started to make our Concerto, that in English means concert. That is the the name of our flagship wine, our flagship Lambrusco. That... uh, for us, represents everything. It represents a pioneer of the of the Lambrusco Renaissance because from that moment we started to, I say we, but I didn't do anything because I wasn't born. I was born in 1994, but we, our family and our team, started to travel all around the world to explain to the world that the real Lambrusco was dry, not sweet, and nowadays we export um, in more than 70 70 countries around the world. Uh, we make Lambrusco with the three method of production of Lambrusco, as you said, Sharma method, ancestral method that, that is uh, also called padnat method, and with the Champagne method that, that is the maybe the most elegant method to make uh, a sparkling wines. The same method of production of Franciacorta and Trento DOC, but with Lambrusco grape.
2: Yes, that, well, that's very interesting. Could you say a few words about your baby, about uh, Fermento uh, Lambrusco, which is very new uh, to the, uh, to, to the Lambrusco and Medici Meta producers? Can you say a few words how you came up with this idea and how it's made?
4: Yes, of course. Actually, what I, what I told until now is not made by me. I didn't do anything or what I just told you. Um, the first project that I did in the company... It was the first year when I entered in the winery, but I started to think this project at the university. Uh, It's a wine called Fermento. um, That is a Lambrusco made with the Sorbara variety. Maybe later we are going to explain the differences between the varieties of Lambrusco because Lambrusco is not a bad word. Lambrusco is not the name of a uh, brand. It's not a style of production. Lambrusco is the name of a grape. And uh, Lambrusco grape is a family of different biotypes, a family of different varieties. One of these varieties is called Sorbara. It is maybe the most elegant variety of Sorbara with an unbelievable acidity. The acidity of Sorbara is every year the same of the acidity, the same pH of the champagne area. And we started, I started to make a wine with the Sorbara grape using the ancestral method. You know, before I told you that between 1970 and 1980, we started to make wine with the the steel tank because it was easier, uh, you could have the technology, you could control the temperature. But before the arrival of the steel tank, the way, the common way to make Lambrusco in our area was the ancestral method. So we did a second fermentation in the bottle, like for the Champagne-Oise method, like for the Champagne method. But at the end of the fermentation, we didn't make any de gorgement. We didn't remove the yeast outside of the bottle. We left the yeast inside of the bottle. So. We sold a wine that was a little bit uh, uh, cloudy, let me say. Then, between 1970 and 1980, we decided to stop making this method. Why? Because at the time we didn't have the technology. So, sometimes we could sell, uh, let me say, a bomb to our lovely customers because we couldn't control perfectly the, the pressure inside of the bottle. Nowadays, we have the technology to make this process in the perfect way. And I wanted to come back to the origin making a wine with the same method of my grand-grand-grandfather. So when I entered in the winery, I decided to do this. And I had to ask about this project to my grandfather. It's been very hard, like everything in a family business, but nowadays Fermento is a beautiful commercial success. Every year we increase the production uh, very slowly because it's still a very small production if we consider the numbers of our company. Um, But uh, we export that wine in more than i would say 17 countries were very happy with that
2: great well that sounds like a like a very good success of a very uh modern and trendy wine i tasted it myself uh and i i really enjoyed it it's actually two way you can drink fermento first first way you don't mix it with a uh, with the yeast you just uh, drink it as it is and the second way you uh shake bottle a little bit and make yeast uh mixed up with the wine and that makes uh, body even more full even more fruity that's a really nice uh, trick you, you can make with wine with this with this very wine so alessandro yes, exactly.
5: you can
4: choose. Uh, there is the and all way or the normal way
2: Uh, You work with uh, your family members. Can you please tell and share this experience? Uh, What is the most important thing when doing business with family
4: members? (laughs) This is a nice question. Uh, uh, There is just one word, I think, is the organization. This is very important. You know, there are so many different um, wineries that had problems with the generational transitions, you know, between generation and, and another generation, you know. Uh, One important rule that my father always uh, told me is that your son or your daughter is not always an intelligent person, you know? And I could be not an intelligent person. So you have to plan this and you have to organize everything. So the first rule, I think, is to have external people from your family in important positions in the company. This is very important. Uh, People that don't know anything about the, the internal things of the family, they're they not they, they not involved in the family. Then every single member of the family, I think, um, have to have a, a specific role in the winery. And all the members of the family have to respect that role. I think this is very important because we live in a period in which the one-man show uh, no longer exists. You know, my grandfather is a one-man show, was a one-man show, he's still the president of the company. He did uh, the uh, agronomic part, the, enology, the enological part, the technical part, the commercial, the marketing part, the communication, the incoming. He managed everything. But that was, I think, the style uh, of managing uh, a winery that was good 30, 40 years ago. Nowadays, we live in a period where everything has to be very well organized. And I think that uh, a winery nowadays is an ecosystem of different areas. And every areas. Um, have to be managed by a specialist of that area because it's impossible to know everything, you know, from the agronomic part uh, to the commercial or the communication. or There are so many different areas. And I think that a well-organized family business is also a happy family.
2: Well, indeed, that's, that's very important that every, everybody in the family is happy. <laughs> so another another question about the family members. Who does what? Can you briefly describe?
4: Yes, of course. My father is the uh, CEO of the company, Alberto Medici. Uh, then there is my grandfather that is still in the winery. Every day is the first person that arrives. Uh, a wonderful character. Uh, he's the president. Uh, Then we have my cousin, Pierluigi Medici, that is very important. He's an export manager, an area manager. He has the South America that for us is uh, a growing area, very important for us. Uh, And then we have my aunt, Alessandra Medici, and she is the the responsible, the the hospitality manager, let me say. So she's involved in uh, um, all the hospitality programs. Uh, She's the responsible of our estate where we have many tourists during the year, of course, before covid uh, but now it's restarting again and then uh, she's the responsible of the wine shop so and then there is me uh, my title is the brand ambassador um, and i am the responsible of the education of the people around the world about lambrusco about our land so i follow all the promotional activities of the winery
2: Wow, you doing you do it in a very good way. You you impressed me once, so that's how it all started. Uh, yes, and I met uh, uh, your aunt Alessandra. Uh, she did a great tour on Acetaya. Um, All these barrels uh, covered up. It was really fascinating to to see to learn more about this tradition of making um, Aceto balsamico Modena in in that's That's really fantastic. Uh, so uh, there, you know i'm I'm looking at your bottles and they really look nice. Can you say a few words about who makes uh, wine labels? who works on design for for the bottles?
4: Um, yes, this is um, this is a, an important point of the of a winery. you know um, before I told you that in the winery there are there are areas. And one of the areas, is, of course, um, linked with the the communication part and labels are an important part uh, of the communication. And as brand ambassador, um, I I should follow uh, all the touch points uh, between the, the brand and the business and the consumers. And labels are an important touch point between the brand and the final consumers. Uh, but I entered in the winery just uh, four years and a half um, years ago uh, and our winery exists from more than 100 years so when I entered in the winery we had so many different wines we have so many different lines we have so many different concepts wines so it was hard to to and it was wrong I think to change all the labels in the winery so my job and uh, Uh, the the team that follows this part uh, in the company is to try to balance the the, the past, respecting the past, our roots, but uh, bringing all these labels and all the new projects uh, at the present and in the future, you know. So we have an internal team that works uh, with many different agencies, uh, marketing agencies. All these agencies um, have uh, a different sensibility. They have a different... uh, uh, creativity they have a different vision uh, and then we we work with them when we have to think a new project and uh, we we give uh, to the agency many feedbacks uh, of what we expect from the labels so from that wine uh, we tell them exactly what is inside of the, the bottle we tell them the target of that bottle and then we start to build new projects so this is this is how uh, the label of fermento for example um, has been uh, has been created but is always uh, you know is a compromise between the past the present and the future that we have to respect we did many mistakes as i said uh, in the first answer that i gave you uh, but we also i think we did um, some good labels
2: uh alessandro uh, there are some uh, questions for you coming in the chat but let me uh, finish my uh, portions portion of questions and uh, i will I, I will ask uh, you the questions. So I will pass you these questions that um, our uh, clubhouse members ask you. All right. So uh, you know, sus- uh, my my next question is about uh, sustainability. Do you think that it's uh, what? What do you think of it on the first place, and how do you feel? Um, if, if you are doing any sustainable project, sustainability project for the, for the winery?
4: Thank you for this question. Um, let me say that in our family, we have always had um, an ethical obligation. You know, I told you that I am the fifth generation, so five generation, long story. Uh, and we always wanted to leave um, a company and, and a territory in better conditions than we found them. To the future generation and this is basically could be translated in uh, to live to our son and daughters uh, um, a better world you know we are not the world of course we are just one single reality but for us if every realities every companies small medium big every countries every families every person could have the same philosophy we really could uh, have a big impact on the planet and we really could leave to our son and to our daughters a better world. So everything starts from this concept. Uh, And before I told you that in in our company we have many areas that uh, have to take decisions and choices every day, but every choice that we have to take have to consider this concept about the sustainability nowadays. It's very important. And that's why we did uh, an important project last year in 2021, a project called Generation 2031. So a project, a, a long-term project that became our commitment. A long-term project uh, that lasts a decade between 2021 and 2031, a project that involves uh, uh, precise goals through concrete actions and projects. And all these actions have to consider the three, you know, thematic areas of sustainability. Everybody knows this environmental area, ethical, social area and economic area. And I can give you now, um, Anna, some examples of the actions that we are doing. For example, talking about the environmental area, we became completely certified organic. All our estates, we have five estates, 80 hectares of vineyards are certified organic. And this is a support to the biodiversity of our land. We don't use any single-use plastic in the company. Just a small example. We are calculating exactly our carbon and water footprint because we want to bring um, our carbon and water footprint close to zero in 10 years. Because in 10 years, we want to to transform our company in a completely sustainable company. Let me do other two examples, very easy, Uh, talking about the economical area we are trying to to do some practice um, concepts of circular economy. For example, during the, the vinification, we have many leaves, many sediments, many skins that we don't use, that we usually sell very cheap to the distilleries, you know. From last year, we started to do this, I think, beautiful project, working with a company in our region. This company... Gets all these sediments, all these skins, all these lees that usually are considered waste. You know, they transform, they work with these uh, sediments, skins, and lees, and they make organic compost. And we use this organic compost for our vineyards. So, this is a perfect example of circular economy where a waste becomes an ingredient of your wine. This is very important, but we do. So many actions that we already did, that we are doing and that we will do in the next 10 years. And this for us, it's very, very important because as as I just said, is that concept that I told you before is the base of all our choices.
2: Wow, that's really impressive what what you just say about sustainability project. Yes for sure it's very important to leave uh land and vineyards for future generations and to make uh to keep them fertile to keep the soils fertile uh for as long as possible well it's very very curious project that you're making so um just uh, let me continue with a few more questions and then i will uh, we will go to the audience questions okay um since uh, you're talking about the future uh can you uh share what's your vision on uh medicare meta winery is in 10 years for example what do you hope it to be what what do you hope it to where do you hope to see your wines in which countries and so on
4: <laughs> i have so many wishes anna uh... First of all, we have a slogan that is bringing Emilia-Romagna. In Italian is much better, but the translation in English is bringing the Emilia-Romagna to the world and bringing the world to the Emilia-Romagna. Uh, look, in this slogan there isn't the word medici and there isn't the word Lambrusco. Uh, why? Because for us, Lambrusco and medici represents a land, a territory that is Emilia-Romagna and what we want to do is to carry on with this mission to export our land our wines around the world nowadays we are in 70 countries but we can do much better we can add more countries we can increase and improve our activity in the markets where we are already present and then in the same time another very important activity that we really that we really believe is the incoming so bringing the world to visit us to visit the food valley Parmigiano-Reggiano, balsamic vinegar, all the fresh pasta, bolognese sauce, Parma I could do a seminar just on the food. The Motor Valley, you know, we had the Formula One just two days ago in Emilia-Romagna. Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, Ducati. We are an unbelievable region. We are one of the most dynamic region in Italy. It's wonderful. This is another part of our uh, mission. This is what we want to continue to communicate and to do: bringing Emilia Romagna to the world and bringing the world to Emilia Romagna.
2: Oh, I just, I just wish I could go to Modena right now. <laughs> I love the the cuisine of Emilia Romagna, and I love all this nice, uh, this great restaurants and this great local food and and wines and. And the market and the people and this relaxed uh, lifestyle you guys have—it's—it's uh, it's relaxed in compare in comparison to mine. <laughs> I, I assure you. Uh, well, um, yes, um, Emilia Romagna is a great place to visit for sure, and I hope more and more people will come there not only for food but also for wine. Well. Um, let me uh, let me uh, pass a question of Jodi Hellman. She's asking you: uh, Are you planning any trips to the USA soon? If so, where and when?
4: Oh, I was in the United States just uh, three weeks ago, and I visited Chicago, then uh, um, Dallas, then San Francisco, and then Los Angeles. Uh, we have another visit uh, in June, but my father is coming and we're going to visit uh, um, Oregon and uh, Colorado. And then I'm coming with uh, our importer tour. Cobrand is uh, Cobrand is our uh, importer. I'm coming in September and I'm visiting many cities like Chicago, New York, uh, Washington DC for sure, Los Angeles, and I think another city. And coming to nice. your many times many times
2: sounds very promising uh there is uh christina elta Regie is raising hand uh I'm going to to uh turn
6: on her mic Christina. hello, okay, she's now invited to the mic. Christina, are you going to ask a question? Okay. Maybe maybe uh um okay. There's uh there's another uh there's Federico, right? Federico would you like to ask a question? Hello? Well, may, mm,
2: maybe something with connection. Well, let me uh let me then uh ask you another question uh, you spoke about the markets uh, that are important um and do you think uh, what do you think uh, is, is what what is your favorite wine not uh, not just uh, among medici meta but in general what do you enjoy yourself
4: uh, outside of lambrusco you mean uh, i love uh, uh, i love nebbiolo because you know i lived there for 3 years i was in uh, imbra it is 20 minutes from Serra Lunga, 20 minutes from La 20 minutes from those places, and I lived there for three years. So uh, I met so many Barolo and Barbaresco producers, so it's a second it's a, it's a second home for me. So I love many wine areas, but for me Lange is, uh, is part of my heart, it's part of my life, uh, I live there. So I would say Nebbiolo in general, Nebbiolo grape.
2: Nebbiolo Gray, but uh, is there
6: some uh, commune you like uh, more?
4: Uh, do you mean producer or uh, Nebbiolo areas? Mm-hmm. Anna, do you mean uh, producers or areas?
2: I mean, uh, I mean, if you prefer uh, Alto Piemonte or maybe Barolo or Barbaresco, which style of Nebbiolo you prefer? More powerful or more flower, more, more fruity? What do you prefer?
4: I prefer Barolo, but in not the, pow- the most powerful way. So there are producers now that are working with very refreshing wines like Burlotto, uh, Fartelli Alessandria, those kind of producers that are becoming more and more famous, unfortunately. Thanks God for them. Um, that are so difficult to find now. Uh, so I would say Barolo, but not in the most powerful way.
2: Okay, I see. I have a very common uh, taste. I like Nebbiolo. Uh, Nebbiolo is my favorite um uh grape variety actually and i like uh it's in i like it in not much powerful way i like uh, alto piemonte Gemma, cenara um so those those are probably my favorite ones and i like barbaresco more m- more than barolo i would say
1: oh
4: fantastic
2: it's it's always nice to discuss uh wine with wine people
4: <laughs> but, and to drink um, and, and to drink as well
2: and to drink true uh can you please say uh t- talk about some projects outside of Lambrusco area? Uh what are your other wines that you that you make not Lambrusco wine?
4: Okay, in this moment our winery is totally focused on Lambrusco. Um we have also an estate uh, in uh, in the Romagna area where we make Sangiovese and we have also a, a project in the um west side of the Emilia-Romagna. So we cover all the region where we make wines like Bonarda, Barbera, Gutturnio, that are uh, varieties typical of the theory of Emilia-Romagna. But in this moment, the winery is totally, totally focused on Lambrusco. Because this is the goal, because we think, we really believe that Lambrusco is one of the most contemporary wine that we can find. Why? Because... The new generation of Soms, the the young wine lovers, are searching for the drinkability, the freshness. They are searching for gastronomic wines, very refreshing. And I'm describing Lambrusco, because Lambrusco has an unbelievable acidity. It's one of the most gastronomic and one of the most versatile wine that we can find in the world easily. It's hard for me to say that Lambrusco is the most important variety in the world, but it's very easy in the same time to say that Lambrusco is one of the most drinkable one of the most refreshing one of the most gastronomic one of the most versatile wine that we can find in the world so we are totally focused on the wine if you talk to my personal project i have a podcast that is called juice it up uh, that this week is in the top uh, 100 uh, podcast in italy uh, but this is a uh, 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 my personal project
2: juicy juicy
4: what <laughs> juice it up, juice, juice, it, juice up. it up, and, and Stevie was uh, was a guest few few episodes ago. But he's in Italian, Anna. so I don't know how is your Italian. I'm
2: name. I'm I'm learning. I'm I'm honestly I, I'm learning Italian, and I hope next time I come back I can speak more <laughs> more uh, more with with my friends.
4: Great.
2: So, uh, we have uh, another question from uh, Fermented Boss. That's a nickname, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Alessandro, tell us the story of your DOP Balsamic.
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, So, first of all, hi. The fermented boss is a friend. (laughs) Absolutely. And an ambassador of Lambrusco. But uh, our core business, our business is wine, is Lambrusco. But then we have in the family an hobby. Uh, A hobby that I can't consider a business is just a passion, a tradition that we have uh, from more than over uh, a century, and is the traditional balsamic vinegar from Reggio Emilia DOP. Long name, but an unbelievable product. If you go to Walmart, if you go to a supermarket, you can easily find some balsamic vinegar. But those vinegars are IGP. It doesn't mean that they are not good. They are just very different from the traditional balsamic vinegar DOP. In the word traditional, there are 12 years of aging because the industrial balsamic vinegar, the the balsamic vinegar IGP is made in a few hours. The traditional balsamic vinegar that we make in our balsamic vinegar facility at our estate um, is aged minimum at least 12 years. Then, if you come to visit us, you can taste the 20 years old balsamic vinegar, the 25 years old balsamic vinegar, the 30 years old balsamic vinegar, even older than me. And we say that we do the balsamic vinegar, the traditional balsamic vinegar, for the next generation. Because it takes so much time. It's made with the Solera method in these uh, uh, barrels with all different shapes, different votes, it's it's an experience and just one drop of that traditional balsamic vinegar is an explosion in your mouth.
2: True. Uh your aunt Alessandra said uh that producing uh balsamic vinegar is very difficult business because it takes so much time for the for the for the vinegar to be made. Uh, Do you think it is possible uh, to keep the high quality and make it still profitable, make it a good uh, business project with uh, balsamic vinegar?
4: The traditional balsamic vinegar is profitable. It's profitable for the second generation that uh, get the business because otherwise, uh, if you want to start a business of traditional balsamic vinegar, please don't do that. Or you are very rich or don't do that why because you have to keep every year barrels of product for at least i mean at least 12 years so the second generation your son or your daughter will enjoy the product that you did for 12 years every year you you have to keep a a few barrels of this traditional balsamic vinegar and then you have to wait at least 12 years okay so after 12 years the bottle that you sell has a, an important margin because the real, the traditional balsamic vinegar, it's very expensive. It's our, it's Emilia-Romagna truffle. You know, it's Emilia-Romagna white truffle because it's very, very expensive. But uh, uh, it's profitable in the generations. And then I have to say that is a very, very small production. And so uh, we're not talking about uh, a million or million and million of uh, small bottles we are talking about thousand of bottles our annual production is 1000 bottles not 0.70 liter but 100 milliliters so it's it's very small and we sell and that's why we sell uh, our balsamic just uh, at our estate in 2018 we had more than 10000 tourists so we dedicated our production to them and also as a gift uh, to our, to our friends and to our customers around the world. So probably you will you will receive you will receive a bottle of balsamic vinegar for free.
2: Well, um, I must say I have a bottle of uh, your balsamic win- vinegar at home, and it's such a pleasure. I use it uh, once in a while for seasoning my salad and uh, add just a little uh, <laughs> spirit of Emilia Romagna yeah. to my uh, to my dinner. It's so. Uh, delicious oh my god it's it's unbelievable how what what a change uh, this drop makes to the to the dish to the salad or meat or vegetable whatever I put it with with um, with cheese it's also amazing it's really great product indeed so thank you well wishing you good luck so uh we're about to to finish our session. So let me see if there are some other questions uh for Alessandro.
1: Yes, hi. Hello. I'm back. Hold on one second. Yes, TV? Yes, that's so that's good. Congratulations. What a, a great session. I know I stepped away for a few minutes because as you know, my middle name is multitasking. Um, I understand there was a question for me, but let's let's get a question from Federico. Ciao Federico!
5: Hello everybody, my apologies for leaving the room so quickly, but uh, I'm based in the Netherlands, and here uh, it's dinner time, I was preparing dinner for my kids, and it was a little bit of a mess here. No, so you're also
1: multitasking. Done. Congratulations. Yeah. Usually men cannot do that. <laughs> Yes, I'm
5: used to that. Yes, so I'm originally from Argentina, so I, I'm used to multitasking.
1: <laughs> so have you got, hi, uh, Federico, have you got a question for Alessandra?
5: Yes. First I want to congratulate him for the enthusiasm being such a young guy. It's fantastic. And I'm curious to know what the the or the company is doing to promote in the younger generation this feeling for Lambrusco, knowing that the millennial generation and below are more inclined to stop drinking alcohol or drinking a lot less with uh, uh, beverages that are very low in alcohol? What are they doing in order to promote this history, this feeling of, of Lambrusco in order to consume it, right? Great question.
4: Now, this is the topic, you know, because we
5: could talk for
4: hours about sustainability and everything. But if we don't communicate to the new generation, what is the real Lambrusco, we have a problem, you know. So this is basically what we do in the company. We ask to ourselves what we have to do to arrive to new consumers, to explain to uh, people that, you know, are less than 40 uh, how to communicate Lambrusco. And then before I just said, I think an important thing um, that Lambrusco is an extremely contemporary wine. Why? Because the the new generation of wine lovers, in in my opinion, uh, are searching for more drinkable wines, more refreshing wines, maybe with less alcohol too, as you said, um, more gastronomic, more versatile. And I think Lambrusco is the perfect uh, this the, is the perfect concentration of all these concepts. Lambrusco is, as I said, it's very hard for me to say that Lambrusco is one of the most important uh, variety in the world. But it's very easy to say that Lambrusco is one of the most gastronomic, one of the most versatile. The alcohol level of Lambrusco is always around 10.5, 11.5, so it's it's limited. If you think other important still red wines, and is an extremely contemporary wine. Then The first thing that my father told me when I joined to the winery, as as a new generation, I wanted to do too many things, is that in the wine business, we have to run the marathon, not not the 100 meters. So it takes time, and it takes a lot of promotion, and this is what we are doing around the world. We are going to the market, we are going to educate people, to communicate to the new consumers what is the real Lambrusco, because it's true that people over 50 have a wrong idea of Lambrusco. But people under 50, they just don't know Lambrusco. They they didn't remember that uh, sweet wines and cheap wines from the 70s because we weren't born. So this is what we are doing.
1: Great, Alexandro. Thank you so much. But, um, but I, I have a follow-up on that, um, if I may. So, Alessandro, I mean... What are you guys doing? How are you communicating to the younger generation? That's all fine. Yes, we know the problem areas, but what are you guys doing? How are you? How are you stepping up uh, your communication with the younger generation? Can you give me some like concrete
4: examples? One easy example, uh, just uh, taking an example from your last in Italy, you did uh, a section with mixology. You know, in mm-hmm. some markets like uh, British Columbia. Um, we selected many bartenders, and we are doing cocktails with Lambrusco. We don't have any problem if a, a great bartender select our Lambrusco to make a cocktail to mix with an unbelievable gin or to mix with an unbelievable other spirit. I think it's a great way to arrive to the new generation, to the new consumers. This is just an easy example, Stevie. Um, then locally, we are doing many events dedicated to the to the to the new generation. I just did an example for us. Uh, uh in in some countries like british columbia especially in japan we are working on this too uh cocktails are a good way to arrive to the to the new consumers you know because usually uh, a a young guy when go outside with uh, his friends usually order a cocktail outside of italy not a glass of wine so this is an example
1: that's interesting because there was a guy, I don't know if you know him. His his name is also Alessandro, and he invented this thing called Barbera Tonic. It was from Chinato, from not Barolo, but from Barbera, and with mixed with tonic water. And he said this was a it, it was an interesting way to um, introduce wine to the younger generation because a lot of people come to the bar because he owns a bar, he runs a bar in in Piemonte and he said the the younger generation they just asked for you know uh -uh, those spritz aperol or or um just because they don't know what else to ask right so he said by trying this introducing Barbera um he said that this became a little bit more approachable so I guess that you're kind of having the same um idea in terms of how to make the wine more approachable for the younger generation?
4: Uh, absolutely, Stevie. And let me add that uh, uh, with a bartender of Reggio Emilia, that uh, is from a cocktail bar that has been nominated best cocktail bar in Italy in two thousand. I don't remember What's nineteen or eighteen. Um, we did the the, the the name of the bar is Jigger, like the know? Jigger. Yes, yeah. J I G G E R. Oh, Let's okay, visit Jigger. that place. It's very cool. Uh, It's in Reggio Emilia, my hometown. We did uh, a list of cocktails, you know, premium cocktails. We don't want to work with the industrial cocktail bars. Uh, We are not the Aperol, you know, brand. Mm -hmm. We 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 have more than 100 years, so we have to do, we have to have, uh, 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 how can I say, we we have to choose uh, not all the bars, some bars. We selected that uh, target of bars, and we did uh, a list of premium cocktails made with Lambrusco. So we give to our importers this list that they can use to their customers in their countries and they can give some suggestion to the important bartenders of the city. You can make a Brusco Spritz, you can make um, an Americano with uh, Lambrusco and Emilia-Romagna Americano. We did so many different cocktails and we are giving some ideas, but this is just an example.
1: That's interesting. I have Tushar in the audience who's working of course at various um, bars, wines, restaurants in Dubai and doing some consulting. I would love to hear from him sometime as well. Listen, it's uh, I have to close up the room now because it's almost time. But Leica, did you want to tell us the next who's coming up next and when?
3: Just yes. so that I remind me. All right, so um, it's going to be on Thursday. Um, it's going to be another Alessandro. So Erin Demara is going to interview Alessandro Gallo. He's the winemaker of Castello di Alpola um, in Rada and Rocca di Montemassi in Marema. So that's going to be at six p.m. The same time. Wow, well, you're um, butchering. On this
1: week. You're butchering everything. They tie in. Yes. <laughs> And what what about um uh, the week after? So that's this week, right? Thursday, the day after tomorrow, six pm. Yeah, six, 6 PM, pm. The same time. For next
3: week, um, we're still not um sure, so it's still an open slot. So if Tushar, we would like to have a clubhouse with us, you are really invited. I sent you a message. Okay, no Alrighty. pressure. <laughs> okay,
1: okay. You you know with the COVID and everything, there are um we have to juggle a lot, not jiggle juggle um a bit of nowadays but that is kind of the sign of the times okay uh alessandro anna thank you so much for joining us Federico, great question i think christina had a question but it was more of a reminder that i had tiramisu in the fridge that i have to take home so <laughs> that that was it i think that was the message so thank you very much ciao ragazzi ciao, i thank guess um thursday ciao. Okay, come back ciao. Thursday, you guys, and it will be playing Italian Wine Podcast. Ciao, ragazzi.
3: Ciao. Ciao, ciao. ciao.
0: Italian Wine Podcast. Chin with Italian Wine People.